Our text today is in Matthew's Gospel, the 11th chapter. Heaven taken by storm. Christ speaks about John the Baptist. Beginning in verse 7, they as they departed, Jesus began to say unto them, the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But he that went out for to see a man clothed in soft raiment, behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Let us pray. We thank Thee, our Heavenly Father, for granting us another opportunity to come into Thine house and come before Thy throne of grace. We ask You to help us to perceive the truths of Thy Word. Grant us the seeing eye and the hearing ear. Grant me the words to speak. We pray for our pastor and his family that you keep your protective hands upon them and bless the meeting before he's preaching. We pray for the loved ones that are not in our midst that you be pleased to keep your protective hands upon them. Grant repentance and faith to those that are lost. We pray for our country that you have mercy upon it. We pray for the work there in Romania also that you keep your protective hands upon our brethren there. Guide us in our daily walk and endeavors to serve thee, we pray. Help us to be Christ-like in our actions to others. Keep us mindful of the Redeemer's return, and we thank thee for the promise of eternal life and the promise of the Redeemer's return. We just ask that you keep us looking for them. Help us to exalt his name above every name and honor thee in doing so. For it's in Christ's name, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask. And amen. We read in the book of Psalms, the 37th chapter, the 11th verse. Basically, the same thing that we read in Matthew 11, 11 and 12. In the book of Psalms, I'll turn over there, the 37th chapter. Eleventh verse: The meek shall inherit the earth. Heaven must be—that's the earth. That's what I wanted to say. Heaven must be taken <clears throat> by war. That's Psalm seven, Psalms thirty-seven, eleven. I'll, I'll get it out here in a minute. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. <clears throat> How can heaven be taken by force? Christ said in another place, Strive ye to enter into the straight gate. Of course, Matthew chapter 7 talks us about the straight and narrow gate. 
Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth into life, and few there be that findeth it. How much of Scripture deals with war and warfare? The whole Old Testament is nothing but one battle after another. On the New, New Testament, Paul's good fight of faith. Consider all the trials that he went through there in the book of Acts. We read through his writings, it's one constant battle. Then he talks about the Christian armor in Ephesians chapter 6. Like I say, the whole Old Testament's filled with war and turmoil. Trials, tribulations. There's a reason for them. There's a reason for the trials that the Christian goes through. And that can be seen in the book of Ephesians, the fourth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> well, that's the one the passage of one. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You're going to have wars till you get this point, and I dare say none of us have made it yet. <clears throat> Though heaven be given, given us freely, yet must we contend for it? That was the writing of Thomas Watson. We fight the Christian fight by whatever we have to fight with. Whatsoever thy hand find to do, do it with thy might. As a soldier in the Old Testament battles, they might be slinging stones, they might be slinging swords, they might be shooting arrows, whatever they found. We tend to reason with ourselves that heaven is singing, smiling, walking the golden streets, that getting into heaven is a warfare. And it's our normal tendency to think that once we put on the Christian garments, so to speak, the Christian uniform, all our troubles are over and that's when they actually begin. God's subjects, which we are, should have an intensity about them, like a soldier in a battle. And if we don't have that intensity, we need to examine ourselves to make our calling and election sure. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure, as Scripture tells us. The Laodicea in church in the area of which we live, was lukewarm. Had everything nice, gold. They didn't have any trials. He told them, buy gold and be tried in the fire. That's what trials bring. That's what Peter wrote there in the first book of Peter. Their trials is precious gold. That's exactly what they they lacked. I'm going to go over and read it. The first book of Peter. Chapter 
talks about the trial your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth it, though it be tried with fire might be found to the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ or to be made Christ like conformed into his image I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich in white raiment that thou mayest be clothed this is talking about trials warfare that church was lukewarm that you left it nauseous. It was half-hearted. Look at the manners of John the Baptist. Others of that era. John the Baptist was a fiery preacher. Mark chapter 6, he rebuked Herod for having his brother's wife. Now that's something, for the Herods were crazy anyway. And he rebuked him and he was, Herod was the king. He was the ruler. But nevertheless, John the Baptist rebuked him for it. In Matthew chapter 3, when everybody come out to his baptism, he called the Pharisees a generation of vipers. Who hath warned you to flee the wrath to come? John was no coward. He was fiery. Highly commended. Today, there's not that much of that kind of preaching around. Very little. We see it here, but most have become lukewarm. John the Baptist disciples considered him to be greater than Christ, but John the Baptist made it plain that he wasn't worthy to loose Christ's shoe. He said of him, I, He must increase, I must decrease. Now, getting back with our thought on heaven taken by a storm. Earthly kingdoms are often taken by violence, military, one being the greater than the other, they're having a better get war plan, battle plan. But we read in Micah 4, 3, there will come a time when they'll beat their swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks, Micah chapter 4. In truth, the battle for heaven is the most fierce warfare that we'll, we'll ever face. Why? First of all, your enemy is unseen. Not seen by the eye of faith, and you can't see him anyway. The wicked, we, there, there's many of them out there. At our conversion, we have faith in the Lord's blood, His finished works at Calvary to redeem us. Then comes opposition. Then comes persecution. Trials set in. As said there in Matthew chapter 7, it talks about, well, we, we read Matthew 7, Luke chapter 13. I meant to read a minute ago. Luke, Luke chapter 13, verse 24. The same idea. Strive ye to enter in at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. The key word is strife. It's war. It's, I read sometime there was a book called Worship is a Verb. Now, 
That's putting man's hands and you're getting man's hands involved in worship. And we worship as according to the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter, in spirit and in truth. That should, the verb shows action. I can't hardly agree with it. There was a woman that wrote the book. I don't remember. I never read it. I just thought it was interesting what she called it. There's the opposition that we face, and they're out there to try to thwart our plans. Matthew chapter 23, 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering in. Look this morning at the enemy within. <coughs> These are not far from the being the same thing. It's supposed to be the mouthpiece of the Almighty upon earth, but instead they're the enemy. That's the way it appears. Acts chapter 13, verse 6. This tells you the kind of enemies that are without. You expect them. But they're both there. We have more than one enemy. What is the point that I'm making? Acts 13 and 6. We wouldn't expect no different out of this character. I'm in the wrong chapter. I thought it looked kind of strange. Matthew 13. Acts 13. Verse 6. This is... Barnabas and Simeon. Verse 2, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas, and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands upon them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia, and forth thence, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they had, were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues and of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew named, whose name was Barjesus which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elamias, a sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. And you expect that. But those that are preaching the truth, if they do the same thing, that's definitely an enemy within. Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes upon him and said, O full of all subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. There's... Those kind of enemies out there. The enemy depicts the image of Christ in our mind 
quite contrary to what Christ really is. I mentioned this in the Bible study. They want to show Christ the long-haired, effeminate, and all that. That couldn't be farther from the truth. We have these battles. We have the battles with the wicked. We have the struggles. We have these bodies that we live, dwell in. They're, they're a struggle. We have many an enemy and many of a battle. Now, natural man simply thinks that admiring the Almighty is sufficient for worship. Well, there's also service. And the service has requirements. And we go forth and bear a cross. In the Gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter, the 10th verse, and while they went to the to buy, this is the parable of the ten virgins, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went with him to the marriage and the door was shut. They had paid heed to their service. John chapter 4, 24 tells us, as I mentioned a while ago, we'll worship Him in spirit and truth. And if you look at the Christian service, there's much in there. There's lots of work for us to do. Acts chapter 17, verse 25, staying with that thought of worship. <clears throat> Speaking about our, our Lord that made the world, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though He needed anything, seeing that He giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, hath determined the times foreappointed in the bounds of their habitation. Lest they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art or man's device. And at the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. That's what man is commanded to do, repent and believe the gospel. Our great enemy, self, tries to, to add things to it. You get, Paul fought, the whole book of Acts, they fought against the Jewish element. You must be circumcised. You must do this. You must be baptized. And in truth, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Back to the idea of strive to enter at the straight gate. What does this mean? Over in the book of Isaiah, the 55th chapter, gives a good place to start. Isaiah 55 and 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, 
and the unrighteous man his thoughts. This is repentance. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. But first we must set our minds on the full word of God, set it in our heart that we're going to obey them. Must repent. Some may not esteem repentance to be necessary. Christ made it plain, repent. It was the first thing he began to preach. There in the also in the gospel, Matthew the fourth chapter. <clears throat> Matthew chapter four and verse four. <clears throat> and he answered and said, It is written, this is when he was tempted by the devil. <clears throat> Make these, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's the second thing. Repent, set your heart upon God's word, and obey it. Full acceptance of the teaching of the word of God, setting our minds and our hearts upon it. Some may have little of it. It's man's opinions that once he puts on the Christian title, it'll go well. But we know that that's not the way it goes. Trials come. The work gets hard. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 and 7. Isaiah 64, verse 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, and our law righteousness are as filthy rags. That's, that's about how much good we're really going to do. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our inequities like the wind have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold on thee. Thou hast hid thy face from us, thou hast consumed us because of our inequities. Second, as I said, could have called this first, referring to repentance, Matthew chapter 4 again, verse 17. <clears throat> Matthew 4 and 17. This is when Christ began to preach. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe. The Philippian jailer we read about in the book of Acts, I believe it's the 16th chapter. Some say he didn't repent. Well, consider what he was facing. The law said of the the soldier or the the prisoner gets free, escapes. The jailer must die. That was I mean. That was the law of the land at that day, day and age. I'll find it in a minute. Acts chapter sixteen. This is when Paul and Silas sang at midnight. And sang praises, prayed and sang praises to God. 
Verse 25, And the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prisons, prison doors open, he drew out a sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had fled, had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Now, consider this man's predicament. That was the law. If your prisoners escape, you die. Now, these prisoners, he had, he had himself beat them before thrusting them into prison. It sounds like they was treated roughly. And laid many stripes upon them, as we read in verse 23, and cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. And what I understand is painful. Made, it, made life miserable. Now, what is this prisoner, what kind of predicament is he in? He, wouldn't, he couldn't expect any kindness from the prisoner or from his authorities. So he's going to kill himself. So you see now why he was in such a predicament. It says we read nothing of him repenting. It tells us he was trembling is what we read about him. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling, verse 29, and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I'd say he probably repented. He was in a fix, as we'd say today. Anyway, verse, Matthew chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. I think I was a We've already looked at that. Matthew 13, 20 and 21. <clears throat> this is speaking about the soil, types of soil Christian. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy he receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by, he is offended. A true warrior will continue to fight. We're to surrender ourselves totally to the will and word of God. This is most unlike us. This is, man can't, he, he can give a little bit. Give myself totally over to the cause of the Lord. It's hard for man to do. And if you think about it, God makes no mistakes. He knows much more what our life need, lives need than we do ourselves. The straight gate must be entered. The war is going to be just that. It's going to be warfare. We have duties. We have tasks. We're going to encounter opposition. We've done read... I mentioned a minute ago that John the Baptist was a fiery preacher. So was Peter. Peter was a fiery preacher. What he preached there on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. 
and then several other times. Well, just glance at briefly at the, in the book of Acts at some of Peter's preaching. He was in power. Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved among God, approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as you have yourselves known, him being delivered by the determinate counsel. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 23. And the foreknowledge of God ye have taken and in wicked hands have crucified and slain. That was a serious charge. It was true. Verse 36, Therefore let the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's strong words. Paul, he was a fiery preacher. He's easy to, to say. We have, what, some 16 books of the New Testament written by him. He was not the author, but he was the writer. Tells us that those that Peter preached to were pricked in the heart there in that same book of Acts. Paul was in the midst of great conflict many times. As we read there in the book of this is 2 Corinthians chapter 11. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, being a Christian is no place for a coward because it's indeed a warfare. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Well, let's back up a little bit. Verse 9, For I think that God has set forth us apostles last as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle or a theater unto the world and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ, but ye are wise in Christ. We, we are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even to this present hour we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. And labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer. This is what we are to be as Christians. Being defamed, we entreat. We are as made as the filth of the world and are of the offscouring of all things to this day. Trials set in, persecution sets in. Vengeance belongs to the Almighty. So what is meant by the kingdom suffers violence? As I said, the meek shall inherit the earth, but heaven must be taken by storm, by violence, by, by warfare is the whole idea. The Greek violence word, the word, it's the word biastes, which we get the word bias from, meaning strong, forceful, violent. Heaven is to be gained by conflict. It's a conflict waged with spiritual artillery. If we fought like the Muslims and the Catholics, and their plea is convert them or kill them. That's flesh. That's not the 
war that we wage. In 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter tells about the warfare that we wage. We wage. We wage. Verse 4. Oh, verse 3, actually. 2 Corinthians 11. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. And now that's, that's, that's our human nature. We're big in our legends in our own mind, not legends in our own time. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and brings bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It has to destroy pride. We see how the world fights. We can't be like them. We see the war that the world does not see. In the book of 1 Peter, again, we're told somewhat about that warfare what the world does not see 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 18 <laughs> verse 17 for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God and if it begin at us what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel what shall be of the end of them that obey not the gospel of God and if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? The word scarcely means with difficulty, with warfare. You see, the warfare is between truth and error, truth and lies. That's what the warfare is. Truth is, we're sinners in need of a Savior. The lie is you can provide your own Savior. Jude, the, the book of Jude, the, the third verse, it's only one chapter. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Only one. We also must have, for this same word of truth, a love for the truth. Not everybody does. There, it's in the Thessalonian epistles, it talks about the love for the truth. Verse 10 of the Second Thessalonians chapter 2, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. People in the world ain't going to believe that. God wouldn't hurt a flea. Well, we've read this many times. Believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. We see He chose us and what He chose us to go through, sanctification and belief of the truth. 
heaven will be taken by violence. Now, when I'm saying violence, I mean by warfare. It's going to be with difficulty. There's a battle that rages between truth and error. We have read the end of the Bible. We know how it ends. It ends with God's grace. Anyway, that's all I have this morning. Let us stand and we'll sing.